So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where we help you grow your business by winning more bookings maximizing your profits and breaking through limiting beliefs if you would like to get early access months in advance to future episodes of this podcast and to see any visual references that we make during today's interview, head over to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind, benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. Join over 18,000 other photographers in that group where today's interview is actually being broadcast live right now to them in video format again, months in advance. Today, we have Eric Seropian. He is the founder and owner of This Is My South Bay. They are a Los Angeles-based digital marketing agency with a specialty in SEO, search engine optimization and lead gen. And that's what we're talking about today, search engine optimization for wedding photographers. How do you get found on the Google? Eric Seropian, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. Of course. My, so listen, I'm out in Ohio right now. I'm in the Midwest and we're building a home uh, down down around Tampa, outside of Tampa. And uh, and my wife's already talking to me about moving out to, you know, she wants San Francisco. Uh, so LA for you, you born and raised there, huh? No, I wasn't born in LA, but I moved there uh, when I was uh, six years old. Love it, man. And so at what point did you discover a your knack uh, for SEO? And I got to word it that way. You guys are a unique, it takes a unique person <laughs> to like build a business around search engine optimization. When did you discover like, this is something that I'm actually really interested in? Yeah, I think SEO is something that you use, you know, different parts of your brain. It's a uh, uh, part science, part art. Um, you know, you, you have to be able to know how to bring in the traffic to your website and then how to be able to convert it. If you just have, you know, text on the page and it's not something that people are interested in, then they're just going to bounce and leave. Mm -hmm. So if I take a step back, um, back in the day, I used to be a jewelry designer in downtown LA in the jewelry district. Really? And so we would sell to jewelry stores, we would manufacture and sell to jewelry stores around the country. And so when the great recession hit, uh, a lot of the jewelry stores started to uh, close up. And so uh, while getting through that economy, 
I started to uh, study this thing called marketing. <laughs> and in particular, <laughs> and in particular, study this thing called digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And so, and back in 2006, seven, eight, it was just starting to ramp up as far as um, SEO and e-commerce and things like that. Um, and, and so I really took to search engine optimization. It was a good way to, um, you know, get consistent business coming in. Yeah. It really is a game changer when you can get that clean traffic consistently coming in from Google it's a game changer for a small to mid-sized business. And, um, and, and maybe we should do a quick definition, a quick defining of SEO. We'll refer to it as SEO from kind of like this point forward, search engine optimization. Uh, just say if we could wrap that in a nice little bow, that way in case anyone is a little bit newer to this terminology that they can understand what we're referencing. Sure. So when you go to Google, Yahoo, or Bing, or any search engine, and you type in something that you're looking for, Let's say you're looking for a restaurant uh, in your area. So you type in a restaurant. Usually what you have is you have the top two or three that come up in the search results page. Mm -hmm. You have the top two or three that is what is called sponsored. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of the page, you have two or three search results that are sponsored. And so those, uh, the advertisers have paid money to be there. Mm -hmm. Now the middle there, there's 10 on a page that are organically listed. So that's something where Google is saying, okay, user of Google uh, and and this website, you two should meet. Mm. And and so it's ranking based on certain metrics that Google is looking for in order to get optimized for that particular keyword. You cannot buy that real estate. It's something that you need to optimize your website to be able to get ranked for those search results, hence search engine optimization. Got it. It's like, um, and I'm going to say things and I'm not saying them as fact. I'm, I'm looking for you to kind of guide and, and correct me. Is it like its own algorithm? Kind of like when we make a post on Instagram or something, uh, how that would show up on the, I don't know what they call it anymore on Instagram. I want to say the for you page, but that's TikTok. Anyhow, uh, uh, it's like their way of determining who deserves to be in that kind of first page and second page position. It's like their own algorithm. Is that what you're saying? Precisely. And so there are certain things that you need to do in order to get that ranking from Google. Mm -hmm. And that is the practice of search engine optimization. Okay. Fantastic. I got this. Um, so many photographers, um, they, you know, they started photographing whatever it is that they photograph their families, babies, seniors, uh, boudoir, weddings, commercial. Um, many of them just started because someone was like, Hey, uh, I like what you do. Can I pay you money? And we didn't really ever intend for this. We just were like out taking pictures. Someone found us, they saw our work usually on social media. And then they asked if they could pay us to do it. Uh, and, and so we're like, okay, I guess I'll go make a website now. (laughs) This isn't true for everybody. Some people have been really intentional about building this thing, but for many of us, that's how it has come about is, is just having a website enough for, um, for us to rank for our SEO? Um, the first part of what you said, I think that we all have our journey. Yes. And I know, I know from, uh, my example, I started in one thing. And then once I saw that it took hold for my business, my jewelry business at the time, I started to do friends and family, Mm -hmm. uh, and see, you know, practice on them. 
And then slowly I started to do consulting on the side, making some extra money. And I, and I saw there are real results coming in Yeah, and it's making a real difference in the bottom line of a business and kind of pulled me in that direction. So yeah, that's, I think that's the, um, that's key for us to, 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 you know, gravitate towards what we're, uh, what we're drawn to. Mm-hmm. I think we're good at, you know, what, what we're good at. That's what we excel at. Yes. And so when we get these websites up, my question is, is having a website enough to start to actually rank? Like for example, let's use me here. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently here in Ohio. I'm now moving to, to Tampa. Let's go ahead and just, we'll, we'll make up that I'm going to start doing portraiture down in Tampa. And so mm-hmm. if I were to make a website today, um, uh, you know, showcasing my portrait photography, um, you know, saying I'm, I'm going to be in Tampa. I'm a portrait photographer. Like, is, is that enough to start getting results, uh, for SEO? Well, you need to have a website in order to get ranked first of all. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a must. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other things that we have to consider, um, that Google looks at and it's a design deciding factor, whether Google is going to rank you or not. Mm-hmm. For example, you need to have a social media campaign going because a lot of clients that we meet, uh, a lot of prospects, they think they have to make a decision on their budget, their limited budget, whether they should do social media marketing or if they should do uh, search engine marketing. And so one feeds the other. So, uh, uh, you know, you need to have your social media channels going in the case of photography obviously something like Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, et cetera, would be key. Uh, you want to, you want to have that, you want to have your, uh, reputation management intact. So your Google, uh, reviews, your Facebook reviews, your Yelp reviews, uh, you know, those need to be in place, but you have to have the website going. So I need to pause there. This is great. This is great stuff, man. Um, so as we're, as we're diving into this too, I want to, I want to state that, um, this is, I think going to be a really helpful episode. Um, especially if you're new to SEO and you're trying to really gain a grasp on it and to take control of your ranking. I think this episode is going to be awesome for you, but already based off of some of the things that you're saying, we're getting into a few other areas that I think are going to be really valuable, even at the photographer who has a pretty decent grasp on SEO and are seeing results because you just mentioned two things and I, and I want to unpack them. So the first thing that you mentioned is apart from your website and we'll get to keep words here in a little bit, but apart from your website with the proper copy, um, you need, you said a social media marketing campaign and you said, uh, reputation, what, what did you management. Reputation, reputation management. Okay, great. So with, with the social media campaign, can you tell me a little bit more of what that means? Because when I hear the word campaign, I am immediately making up that you're saying we need to be, um, running advertising on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. When I hear campaign, that's what I'm hearing. Again, making up. But can you define a little bit more clearly what you mean when you say social media campaign? Absolutely. So I don't necessarily mean that you're spending money on Facebook, Instagram ads. So Google is kind of playing detective, trying to figure out, hey, do I want to vouch for this website uh, for my users? And so if we take a step back, uh, the secret sauce for Google because there have been many search engines that have come and gone before them. Mm. The secret sauce for Google is that they have been user centric. 
the other search engines that have come and gone, they've been more advertiser centric. So Google has figured, hey, if I focus on a good user experience, the more users we have, the advertisers will follow. And that's exactly what's happened. Mm -hmm. And they have a majority of the searches going through Google. And so what Google is trying to do is you search for something and the user goes to Google, types, types in the, let's say, wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. There's a list of search results. Let's say it clicks on the first uh, organic and it goes from Google to a, a particular website. And let's say the user has a bad experience on that website. Okay. Let's say it takes 10 seconds to load or there's pop-ups coming up or they thought they were going to a wedding photographer's page and they ended up going to a, a restaurant's page or you know something else. And so when they go back to Google, they don't even remember the website that they went to. They are upset with Google. They had a bad user experience because of Google. And so Google has done a great job in limiting that. And so that's, that's kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, what Google is trying to deliver. So when it, when we talk about social media, what Google is doing is it's kind of playing detective with some of these things to figure out if it's a good, uh, relationship that they want uh, to connect the website with the, with the user. So in the case of, let's say social media, for example, let's say I have on my social media, I'm just going to use round numbers. Sure. Let's say last month I had 100 followers on my social media. This month I have 110. Next month I have 120. People are liking, sharing, commenting uh, my, my posts. That's a positive metric for Google. Hmm. I'm posting regularly uh, and, and so on. So it, it looks and it goes, okay, this is, this is going in a positive trend as opposed to I'm never posting. And when I do post here and there, you know, I post five times January 1st and nothing the rest of the year. And, you know, we're already in September. And when I did post, no one is commenting or sharing or following my uh, followers are diminishing and things like that. So Google is thinking, okay, this is, this is not a good thing. And it could be that the business is not interested in social media that could be that could be the case, but if they see over and over again certain metrics that are showing up that uh, you know uh, is negative, then the website is not going to get ranked. So you're suggesting I'm just checking in here, and I'm and I'm not questioning it. But I, I'm actually I'm literally questioning it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're suggesting that Google does have some sort of integration with our social accounts like Instagram, Facebook. And Pinterest? Google is checking on everything. Mm. Google knows everything about us. Uh, it's, kind of, it's sometimes a little bit creepy when you think about it, but uh, <laughs> all of us have uh, a, a profile with Google. Mm -hmm. So Google more or less knows our income status, our age, our gender, uh, more or less where we live. And so what it's trying to do with that information is give us a good, a better user experience. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I type in, um, if I'm at my house and I type in Honda Accord, it'll fill in, uh, it, you'll see in the autofill, it'll make some suggestions. Mm -hmm. So it could be that on my, on my autofill, it'll say uh, lease, uh, lease renewal or, uh, you know, um, buy your Honda Accord. My, ne my next door neighbor might type in Honda Accord and it may have repair uh, auto shops that come up 
or body shops that come up. Mm-hmm. So it's giving a, a you know a different. It has a kind of a profile on what it thinks you might be searching for, mm-hmm. and gives a different uh, 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 you know results for each user. And again, my next door neighbor it could be that my wife goes in from her computer, and it it might give different results on you know restaurants or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, as you're saying this, I went ahead and I, I shared my screen to the mastermind group. I went and typed in Honda Accord, which is a very dangerous thing to share your Google search <laughs> uh, results. Like what is, what is Google suggesting that I would, that I would, uh, that I would want to. So, uh, yeah, Honda Accord. And then I got a, a series of, of lists, um, of, of options there, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's wild. It makes me want to trick the algorithm and I don't know how I would do that. Like I want to, I want Google to think I'm dead or something. I'm going to start <laughs> typing in search results for funeral homes for Ben Hartley. I don't know what it would be. I want, I, I don't like that. They know all the things. Yeah. yeah. They have a, they have a profile on us. Like when I type it in right now, yeah. I don't own a Honda Accord. I just use it as an example, but I do own a, an electric car. Okay. So it came back with some suggestions on hybrid and, and, and things like that. And it also has Honda Accord, Los Angeles, et cetera. Like it's, it knows more or less where I live, you know, and, and certain uh, past search experiences that I've had, it's recording all of that to give me a good user experience again. This again, all of this is under the umbrella of how do I make it easier for you to find what you're looking for right away? Yeah. And, you know, I, I complain about it right now. I make jokes. And yet at the same time, I'm also oddly grateful uh, that they do make it a great experience for me because when I go to search, like, for example, it's going to be my wife's uh, birthday here uh, this weekend um, where we could only get a sitter for tonight. And so we were searching. Well, I was searching for restaurants earlier in the week. And, um, but just to, when I was searching for restaurants, I was getting, uh, uh, results for like really special occasion restaurants. (laughs) I was able to find like a really nice restaurant or to this point, anything else that I'm looking for in my life. Like I kind of like that I get served up advertising for the things that I'm already interested in. Uh, it does kind of make things a little bit more fun online for me. Uh, there's definitely times that it doesn't serve me, you know, um, when I go to do like a search result, like I, I'm searching for something from like my father-in-law and then I just keep seeing ads for that thing that I was trying to help him with, <laughs> uh, for the next like two weeks. Um, okay. So you also mentioned reputation management. This sounds like some HRBS. Can you talk to me a little bit about, uh, reputation management? Sure. So, uh, first of all, happy birthday to your wife (laughs) and, um, reputation management. Basically, uh, we want to make sure that, um, you know, we put our best foot forward for our clients. Okay. And so keeping in mind that we are never going to make hundred percent of our clients happy hundred percent of the time, whether it's a restaurant, a barber shop, whatever the case may be, you're not going to have five-star reviews all you know, 10 of them or a thousand of them. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And so what we want to do is we want to engage the, the, um, the system. So for instance, um, let's say on Yelp, okay. someone gives a five-star review. It's always important to reply to that review mm. and to thank them and to say, Hey, you know, uh, uh we enjoyed wor- uh, working with you also. It's really nice to have met you and et cetera, make it very personal. And the thing that a lot of uh, brands uh, stay away from is when you have a negative review, Mm. 
So what I usually do, I don't know about your audience or you, when I go to Yelp and I uh, Yelp someone, I go immediately to their negative reviews. I look at their one star, two stars. And I want to know what, uh, what the brand did. Hmm. And so if I see that someone is unhappy with the brand and the brand insults the client, and you know, nobody can make you happy, you're annoying, or you know, that kind of reply, that doesn't sit well with me. Hmm. Um, if, I have, if I see the brand is saying, we're sorry you had a bad experience, how can we make it right? We'd like to uh, offer you know, whatever and try to work with the client. There are some clients that you could give them their money back and you can give them a you know, service for free. They're just going to be upset. Mm-hmm. But at least the brand is trying to do something. Yeah. And so that's what we're looking for is, you know, you're going to get dinged with negative reviews. The point is to be able to stand behind your product or your service and, and uh, you know, say, okay, this, this, is, this is what happened. We're only human. And here's, um, you know, here's what we can do. Let's jump on a call. Let's figure this out and, and things like that. So we want to make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're staying on top of these reviews that are coming in. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I do something where I ignore the one stars cause I'm like, well, there was, there's, that's probably an extreme situation. And then I ignore the five stars cause I'm like, oh, those are probably bots <laughs> or also extreme situations. And I always just go right to the three star reviews. I'm like, who's leaving a three star review because <laughs> no bot is leaving a three star review and no one who had a terrible experience is I'm looking to like understand a little bit of the, of the in between. So that's where I always go. Um, this would be fun to understand a little bit more of like, um, uh, how would I describe this? The ways that people use reviews, like kind of the, the, the intent behind, um, yeah, reviews and just like, what, what, what's the data behind that? Where do people look? What affects their decisions? Because I know like a four star review would wreck completely wreck a majority of the photographer's day, if not week. Like anything less than a five-star review in this space, we take so personally. And I'm curious if that actually carries any sort of real bearing from a buyer, like to see a three-star review, to see a five-star or a four-star review. I've even heard it said that when it's all five-star reviews, that it almost seems unrealistic and untrustworthy and that people actually look for four-star reviews and three-star reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any data on this or, or, or thoughts on kind of like the searcher intent of looking at and researching reviews apart from, I love the advice of replying to every single one. Sure. Well, I have some experience with Yelp because we're a Yelp advertising partner. Okay, cool. And, and so it's, it's a, you know, it's a big part of, um, search engine optimization and just, you know, having credibility overall in the online world because we're not really meeting each other in person. Mm-hmm. So we need to kind of be dialed into, um, you know, s- some things that we feel when we look at a website and we look at the pictures on the website and, uh, obviously something that, for, for example, if I say something nice about myself, it's different than if you say something nice about me. Yeah. And that's, that's how it is in the real world, let alone, you know, it, you know, in the online world. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we, we want to, we want to make sure that, you know, we're giving the pe- best possible experience to the, to our clients. And that keeps our, it keeps the businesses sharp also. Now, as far as what you were saying 
um, uh, my experience with four star or three star and things like that. I've, I've done, I, we've done, uh, uh, some campaigns for, let's say restaurants, for example. Mm-hmm. And so when you, or, or I've gone to restaurants and I've looked at their Yelp reviews, if they're complaining about, uh, the wait time is long and they gave them a four star, like everything else is great, but the wait was, you know, they told me 20 minutes and it ter- turned out to be 40. That's a different uh, feeling that I'll have when I'm reading that, as opposed to if they tell me that they found something in the food or the waitress was rude or, you know, things like that. Then I might stay away from that restaurant if I see over and over again that the service is bad Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, so you're looking for different things within uh, the review. It's not just that, you know, whether it's a two star, Mm. three star, what is the reason that they gave that lower um, ranking. Yeah. That's what I try to look at and try to figure out, okay, is this someone that, uh, I want to give my money to, do I feel comfortable in the case of, you know, a, a special day, like a wedding, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, turn over my day to that person to document. And if I see on their reviews over and over again, this guy showed up, uh, drunk or this person was in a bad mood when you, they were taking pictures, that's different than maybe something else that they gave him a four star rating towards it's it's not just the rating it's the reasoning behind the rating yeah while we're talking about this um i've seen this come up a few times where um, photographers will have someone leave a review for their company that never worked with them for the service and i've seen it come up uh in a few different ways one of the ways i've seen um unfortunately happen is another photographer will leave a review uh, maybe because they don't like that photographer's political worldview or they don't like something that they said or online or, or something like that. And, and so then they'll go and they'll leave them negative reviews, right? I've seen this take place um, in like an odd mob mentality kind of way. Um, what, what do you do in those situations when, cause Google's not taking them down, generally speaking, Yelp's not necessarily taking them down. I, I know you can file for that. Um, but what happens, I mean, when someone leaves a review for you, like, actually, this is kind of interesting. We had someone leave a review for my wedding photography website saying, <laughs> it's so funny, saying that I, I, I cussed out a guest in the middle of the first dance. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that wasn't me. I, I, I'm like, I don't know what this is. So it was a guest that left a review, but for, for the wrong company. What, what does one do? What, what's your best advice for reputation management in these situations? Sure. We've had this happen a lot. So there's the honest mistake where yeah. sometimes, you know, they go to, you know, it, it could be that it's part of a franchise and they go to one location, but then they leave a review for another location. You know, it happens sometimes. Sometimes the business names are similar. Geographically, they're similar. They, there's a mix up and they, uh, you know, they, they put the review on the wrong, um, account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's like an honest thing that happens. So what we try to do is we try to s- reply, uh, first of all, you know, so, so that everyone can see the comments. We, we reply saying, we don't remember servicing you. Um, can you give us a little bit more information? We would like to make this right. So like, let's, let's, uh, figure this out. And so we wait to hear back. And if it doesn't happen, then we'll direct message them and say, Hey, you know, like you left us a review. You're not in our, 
uh, in our POS system, or we don't remember, we don't have you as a, cl a client. There's a mistake here. Mm -hmm. So if the, if there's a, someone else that deserves this Yelp re this negative review, um, we would rather have you post it there. You know, and if we did something, we'd like to make it right. And so we want to make it right. We want to figure out what happened, who are you, and things like that. Now the second part is kind of shady because uh, you know we've had. Um, uh, situations where, like you said, maybe a competitor goes and gives a negative review directly to their competitor. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you haven't done business with them. So you should probably, first of all, complain to Yelp, um, but also, um, you know, reach out to, you know, put it on so that everyone can see saying, we don't remember doing business with you. And if you could give us a little bit more information on when we serve you and, and things like that. So that when I'm reading those, uh, negative reviews, I can see that the brand is making an effort to figure out what's going on. And that's all we want to see, whether you have a four star or five star ultimately, um, shouldn't be a, a game changer because when you look at the negative reviews, you should get an idea. Um, okay. That, you know, it happens. Sometimes you upset people accidentally, or it could be that there's a wrong, um, a, a review put, or it could be that competitors are there yeah. that are, that are just doing that. It just seems so easy for them to just be like, Hey, you know, they have their wife do a negative and a, they do a negative and a couple of friends and it brings down uh, the average. The point is that uh, Yelp has all these algorithms to try to figure out what's going on. Mm. And you'll see sometimes that a, a brand has 50 reviews and then maybe 20 of them are filtered mm. and it's only showing 30 of them. So Yelp is already doing its part in trying to figure out um, you know, which ones should be real, which ones should be filtered. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes what happens is you have someone that's never left the Yelp review and they've had Yelp for, you know, years and they go and they leave a five-star review for someone and then nothing ever again in their life. Mm -hmm. And so that looks weird to Yelp that, you know, what happened here? You left one review and it's, it's this glowing 500 word, uh, thing about how wonderful this brand is. So Yelp has its own algorithms. And also, you know, I think users are kind of savvy on figuring out some of these negative reviews and, and seeing, you know, what's, what's behind it. Again, if, we, if we're communicating with, with the unhappy party, um, that shows other users in the future, all the, you know, other prospects, okay, this, this brand is standing behind their, um, their service. Awesome. So, so it just comes right back to what you were saying earlier. Reply to the reviews. Reply, reply, reply. Reply. Keep keep getting more reviews. Just keep moving forward. Yep. I love it. So, um, okay. So th thank you. I, I derailed us to talk about uh, reputation management and social media campaigns simultaneously with your SEO. Um, so I know with SEO, we've got to be targeting keywords on our homepage. And... Um, First off, what does that mean? And how do you know what keywords to target? Sure. So when we're onboarding a client, what we do is uh, there are some tools that we use um, where we can see what keywords uh, your website is ranked for. Let's say wedding photographer, Los Angeles, you're, they're ranked for number seven. Okay. And it gets hundred searches a month, a thousand searches a month, whatever. So we can, we put together a list of keywords that we are already ranking for. And then we asked our prospect, what keywords would you like to rank for? 
So we put together a target key keyword list. After that, we asked for five to, I don't know, depending on the industry, in this case, I would say about 15 direct competitors. So we run reports on those direct competitors to see what keywords they're ranked for. And so we put together these two reports on the keywords that we have and the keywords that we would like to rank for. And then we put together a second report on competitor keywords to see, to get ideas on what they're ranked for that we would love to rank for and other keywords that we don't really care about. And so that way we're, we're able to target, we'll have a, a, a list of keywords that we can build content around and do our SEO campaign around. So um, as far as, we'll split this into two parts. So there's kind of like our keyword research and then there's the competitor keyword research. For someone who's starting off into the SEO game, they're looking to start taking a little bit more responsibility over where they rank. Um, are there any tools that you would recommend for someone who's listening today that they could use to begin to figure out where they're ranking um, for certain keywords uh, and maybe some suggestions for other keywords that they might want to rank for outside of the uh, outside of the competition? Mm -hmm. So uh, we use an app called SEM Rush. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's uh, Ahrefs, SpyFu. There's a lot of apps out there that you just put in the website address, and it gives you all kinds of information. Yeah. Now these these apps, some of them cost as little as fifty dollars a month. Others cost you know hundreds a month. Samrush so, is expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that way, you know, uh, you can start to do some kind of analysis. A lot of people skip this part and they just figure, I know my industry. I don't need anyone to tell me uh, what keywords to, to go after. Now, I'll give you an example. Way back in the day when I was starting out, I uh, did my mom's uh, SEO campaign, obviously for free. Uh, <laughs> <Love> you, <mom. laughs> and she was a real estate agent in the South Bay part of Los Angeles. And so, uh, for example, uh, there's a suburb of Los Angeles called Redondo Beach. And so uh, let's say condo for sale, Redondo Beach got a thousand searches a month and it had maybe 10,000 pages fighting for those 10, uh, fighting for those thousand searches. And then condominium Redondo sale got, let's say 500 searches a month, but had four pages, four competitors. Hmm. So when we do a competitor analysis, also what we want to do is we want to look at the keywords that have a higher search volume and a lower competition level, but is very uh, specific to the, to the service or product. Hmm. And so uh, instead of going after, you know, the highest search volume keywords, we want to go after the low lying fruit and figure out which keywords, you know, we can rank for relatively quickly because the competition isn't there. Hmm. And these are things that we offer for our clients. Uh, using some of these tools. Are there any, um, uh, I, I'm going to keep going after this. I'd, I'd love to see if we can find any tools that someone might be able to use for free. Again, I'm trying to think of the photographer who's earlier on, they don't have all of the marketing mm -hmm. dollars lined up just yet. Um, are there any free tools that might begin to help somebody on there or, or, uh, maybe not free, but lower costing tools that may help somebody step into this space as they're building the business from kind of ground zero. 
I'm not sure about um, free apps. I haven't, you know, gone down that road in a while. Yeah. Um, but I will say uh, they might want to try Google Keyword Planner. Mm-hmm. And if they just Google that on Google, it'll come up. And so when you sign in, there's all kinds of data on that. Um, you can look into Google Webmaster Tools. When you log in, it'll show you, you know, links coming in and certain metrics that uh, I think is valuable especially when it comes to, um, you know, if you have a problem with your website, if Google thinks that there's something wrong with particular pages, it'll be there. Um, It's good to just kind of go over um, that and make sure that Google feels comfortable to even give you the ranking, even if you got the keyword right. So those two right there, those are free apps that you can, it's not even an app. You just log in uh, to your Google account. Yeah. And uh, it'll, it'll give you some data on your website. There's a couple um, that I, uh, that I can recommend um, while we're just on this um, and take these with a grain of salt, because remember these are free. These are free tools. <laughs> and I actually think any keyword planning tool probably still take it with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, one is Uber suggest. Um, that is a free tool. Uh, again, take it with a grain of salt. Uber suggest, um, another one for iOS is a great keyword tracking tool. Um, let me find it on my phone right now. SEO edge, um, SEO edge just, it allows you to input keywords and it tells you your average rank for those uh, over a given period of time. And if you've moved up or down, it's more valuable to track how you're performing for a certain keyword. If you're advancing in it, or if you're, if you're dropping in ranks, SEO edge, I believe it's just for iOS. Um, and then, oh, one of my favorites, are you familiar with keywords everywhere? No, this is my favorite. Actually keywords everywhere is so fun. It is a Google plugin or like an extension, I believe is what they call them. So like a Google Chrome extension and it's like super affordable. Uh, I think it's like you pay $10 and you get like a hundred thousand, we'll call it like searches. And uh, keywords everywhere, it, you can just turn it on in your Google extension uh, whenever you're doing a search, and it'll give uh, search volume for any search that you make online, and it just it just gonna, it's going to show up right inside of your Google Chrome search. Um, so it'll give you your search volume for any keyword. It'll then give you like recommended other searches uh, and then those search volumes as well. Um, it'll give you, if you if you go to a competitor's URL, it'll tell you um, how many uh, hits they're getting a month. So it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a catch-all, um, mm-hmm. but it's nice enough for, it's like 10 bucks uh, and it's a, it's a great tool. Anyway, I, was I curious, see it, I'm on their website right now, 100,000 uh, credits for 10 bucks. Yeah, it's, it really is great. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed that one a lot. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. I was just curious if you had any, I'm like, man, what other, what other ones are out there? Um, so it sounds like we got our bases covered then. Um, as far as the competitor research though, is that something like, I, is that something that's going to be more in line with uh, a more expensive paid one like SEM rush? I think that, um, if you're going to, if you're going to do this, uh, you need an app like that. Yeah. One of the, one of these paid apps. Even if you get it for a couple of months and you do your research and everything and then discontinue it or get it for a month and then come back to it, um, I, I think it's it's key because, you know, internet is kind of like the beauty of internet is you can do your campaigns like a laser beam. Hmm. Before, you know, you would do a ad in the Los Angeles Times or USA Today <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's like a shotgun blast. You're selling furniture and you're like, okay, I, 
I don't know who's going to be looking at LA Times for furniture, but let me let me run my ad here, and there would be a million newspapers printed. Average two three people would see each newspaper, so you're hitting three million people a day, mm-hmm. um, and, and you figure someone's going to want your particular service. In this case, with Google and you know digital marketing, you're, it's like a laser beam. You're going through you you're figuring out geographically where your service is and going after the target keywords and making sure that Google understands, okay, I'm in Pittsburgh or I'm in Miami or Tampa or whatever, and uh, here's what I offer. And it could be that you're a photographer, but you specialize only in quinceaneras or just weddings or just beach weddings or whatever. So you need to make sure that Google understands what's your niche. What do you, uh, you know, what is your specialty? Yeah. So we've got our keywords figured out. We've got our website made. We've got a social media uh, campaign happening where we're posting consistently to Instagram. Maybe we got some Pinterest going with Tailwind. Maybe we're even dabbling on the TikTok and we're still present on Facebook because we have time for all these things. <laughs> and we've got a we've got a healthy reputation management. We're replying to our reviews. Um, how do we rank better for SEO? Well. Um... If I if I start from the base, just very quickly, um, I, I want to make sure that your website is quote unquote optimizable, mm. meaning that when someone goes to the website, it doesn't take ten seconds to load, that you don't have any broken links on your website, that the customer the user journey is a good one. You know how sometimes you go on a website and you go a couple of pages into it and then you want to go backspace and it's expired. Um, you know, there, there's, there's certain things that's happening that, that it's a mobile friendly website. So we want to make sure that the website is, um, optimizable in the eyes of Google, mm. that the pages are tagged correctly because sometimes people put, you know, if it's an e-commerce site, a lot of times they're guilty of putting, uh, the stock number of the item as opposed to what is it? You know, it's a black t-shirt with white stripe, you know, giving an idea to Google what this is. And so once the pages are uh, tagged correctly, the website is up and running and, and it's, uh, uh, you know, what the speed of it is good. Everything is good. Uh, we've identified the keywords that we're going to target. Now we need to start to build some content around that keyword. So if you have, for example, uh, let's say a beach wedding, um, you want to create content and a landing page for that keyword. Hmm. If you identify that that's a good keyword for you, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you're in Tampa, maybe, uh, uh, Tampa, Tampa wedding photographer, you know, T- Tampa, uh, wedding con- photographer, consultant, etc. certain keywords that we're going to identify through the competitor research that we did to come up with keywords that we want to go after. Now, when we're creating content, we can do content kind of like what we're doing here. This is your, uh, you can turn this video into, uh, you know, you can embed this video onto your website and people can watch it on your website. Mm -hmm. And so that's, this is creating content. So you can create three minute, five minute videos on a particular keyword and uh, you can embed that onto your website. Mm. You can write blog posts around it. Um, the, the thing with your industry, I think the photo- uh, photographers is they're big on visual. And so you can take the content that they already, that you already have on your Instagram and Facebook 
and you can recycle that with the keywords that you want to rank for and start to build out landing pages and blog posts for those keywords with the content that you already have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're building content around those keywords in order to get ranked for those keywords. So when when one photographer, we'll keep using the Tampa reference, when one photographer who's in Tampa and they've got keywords for Tampa portrait photographer. And then I show up to the city and I got keywords for Tampa portrait photographer and they make a blog post on Tampa, Florida portrait photography locations. And I do that as well. Um, what is the edge that one person has over the other that shows to Google that they're the priority? Like, like how do we determine these areas where it feels like, I don't know, they've already made all these pages and now I'm going to move there and I'm going to make the same kind of stuff. How do, how do we edge in? So uh, let's say everything is equal. Let's say you have the same number of reviews, same number of followers on social media. Uh, you post once a week, they post once a week. You have a landing page for that keyword. They have a landing page for that keyword. Now, one of the biggest things that gives you an edge is uh, I hope everyone in your audience has this free tool by Google called Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. Most everybody that has a website should have it. If they don't, they should uh, have it attached to their website. Now, what Google is looking at when it looks at your analytics is how long an average user is on your website and how many pages have they gone on. So, for example, let's say I have I, I, uh, let's say I have a website and I'm a photographer in Los Angeles okay. and I have uh, the keyword photographer Los Angeles and I'm ranked on Google and Google sends me a hundred visitors for the, from that keyword from Google to my website today. And out of the hundred visitors, 97 of them leave in three seconds. Mm. That's going to be a negative metric as opposed to if I had a hundred visitors to my website Average time on site is a couple of minutes. They've gone to a couple of pages. Google is going to say, okay, this was a good user experience because there's a lot of people that are staying on the site. Hmm. And so we want to get them on our site. We want relevant uh, search results. We don't want to have traffic coming in. If I'm a photographer in Los Angeles, I don't need people that are searching for photographers in Texas or Seattle or whatever that are coming to my site because they're just going to leave. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that there's relevant traffic that's coming in. And when they come in, we want to keep them on our site. And that's where video kind of comes into play that they can uh, watch a video of, of, of the person explaining themselves, explaining the service, getting to know the photographer and building a relationship in those couple of minutes where, where the user is listening or watching the video or maybe you know reading the content that's on the page or on the blog. We want to create good content. So the better content that we have, the longer the user is going to stay on the site. And that's usually the, the, the uh, difference maker. This makes sense. I, uh, and it brought up a question for me, slightly off topic, but I have an SEO expert here. I've got to ask. So you're saying that it, one of the metrics... Uh, one of the variables in this algorithm is duration of time on a page, uh, engagement, that kind of stuff. Have you ever been to a website, Eric, where you go to click the back button to leave and then it just cycles you back? Like it doesn't allow you to escape the website. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. So is that like some sort of crazy spammy way to 
to keep somebody on the page that's supposed to work for SEO? Or do you, do you know the intention behind that? You know, I don't want to um, uh, guess what they're doing. It could be a glitch or it could be something that's calculated that they're doing to keep the, the client there. Unfortunately, that's a short play because when you leave that website, you don't ever want to go back to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a, you have a bad feeling in your heart about that site that you, you know, you want to leave or you want to do something and, and you can't. And frankly, Google is watching that Google, you know, is crawling sites and uh, indexing it and, and uh, spidering it. So, you know, uh, it's, it's not best practice, but probably one of the reasons if they did it intentionally is to keep you there as long as possible. Yeah. Got it. Eric, this has been really great, man. Thanks for opening up a kind of an understanding, a little bit more of a full understanding on SEO, especially as it relates to the things that are outside of uh, directly being related to the website. I love the conversation around social media. I love the conversation around reputation management. Um, And so thank you for this. This has been incredible. Eric, where can the photographers listening today find you online? Sure. Thank you also. Um, They can go to thisismysouthbay.com. And uh, uh, there's two things they can, if they want to get a report on their website, what their uh, ranking is for their website on the homepage there, you'll see email address and website. Just put in your information. It's a free report that we'll send out to you. If they have any questions on SEO strategies or, uh, you know, deeper dive into something, they can book a 15 minute consultation. That's on the link is on the website, both of which are free to do. That's awesome. This is my southbay.com. They can head there and they can enter their website for a free report. That's correct? Yes. That's awesome. Eric, thank you so much for being here again today. Really appreciate your time and your talent uh, giving so much. Thank you. Podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. Uh, SEO has been one of the number one ways that we have generated leads into our business. I can't more highly speak to its effectiveness. And so it's not something to be ignored. The best time to start your SEO was the same time it was the best to plant a tree. (laughs) It's like way back when, 20 years ago, the second best time is today. Thank you again for being here. I can't wait to see you in the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. And until then, keep showing up.